Welcome to the Get Cozy Podcast, where we talk all about that coziest of book genres, the cozy mystery. I'm your host, Christy Meyer, and I'll be bringing you weekly author interviews and keeping you up to date on all the hottest upcoming cozy mystery releases. So grab yourself a cup of your favorite hot beverage and let's get cozy. Hi, hello, my cozy friends. I hope you're all doing great. I'm so excited to have you here with us listening along as we discuss magic and cozy mysteries. We have a very exciting special guest today. Orly Wallace is the author of multiple novels, including the Evanfall Witches B&B Mysteries and the Otter Lake Mysteries. She has an undergraduate degree in psychology and a master's degree in English literature. She worked in the publishing industry for a number of years before teaching at a college level. So welcome to the show, Oralee. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Congratulations to you on this new venture. Oh, thank you. And we're just thrilled to have you here. Um, I'm so excited about our conversation today. And let's start by having you tell all of our listeners what the Evanfall Witches B&B series is all about. Okay, so uh, this mystery series, it's all about a family of old school witches. Um, they live in a New England town, even fall, and they've been there for about nearly 400 years. So they run a B&B together and they gently use their magic uh, to try to help their friends and neighbors uh, where and when they can. Um, and each member of the family has their own special magical talent and my main character my amateur sleuth uh, Bryn she has the ability to see and talk to ghosts um, so given that's a cozy mystery we have a murder right at the beginning a guest dies and you would think given that Bryn can speak to ghosts that this would be pretty easy for her to solve but unfortunately Bryn lost her talent about two years before the story starts when her husband dies suddenly and tragically. So that's the setup for the story. Yeah. And it is just such a wonderful book. Um, I loved the cozy B and B setting and the way the magic was done and just all of the charming characters. And I cannot wait for the next book in the series so when can readers expect that to come out? So the next book is coming out early April. Um, I believe it's April 6th. going to be too specific because <laughs> this book was supposed to come out September 25th and it was delayed almost a month. Um, I think everybody's heard of the supply chain issues going around uh, the right. world. <laughs> So it's really affected publishing. So I'm hoping it will be out the first week of April. Yeah, it's amazing how much that's affected publishing um, mm -hmm. and release dates for authors. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for an early April <laughs> release date. Just put that out into the universe now. <laughs> yes. So cozies, of course, have a bit of everything. There's mystery and romance, charming characters, and sometimes even magic. So in my opinion, cozies are just the perfect genre. But what was it that drew you to writing them? Actually, I think it was it was part of what you just said that cozies have so many different options to them. 
And what I liked about the genre was that I could add a little bit of humor into uh, the mystery. Um, And I thought that worked well with my writing. I think that, you know, when I'm writing, I really get into characters' mindsets, into the setting. Um, And if I'm going to spend time anywhere, I thought I'd love to spend cozy world Mm -hmm. yeah that is just very relatable I actually started reading cozies at the beginning of 2020 when the pandemic was getting started right totally hooked like it they're just such a great escape from some of the like more serious darker things that we're facing as a society right now Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean they do have murder in them but they also have you know, communities and they have justice and just this lovely, cozy feeling that's so comforting. Absolutely. You know, um, and, and not to get too serious or or sad, but when my mother passed away uh, about two years ago, um, just before that, that's when I had started writing this series. But I found when she passed away, um, all I could watch on TV at that time was it was just before Christmas was uh, the Harlequin Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. And because it was such for what you were just saying, there is a community there's a sense of everything will be all right and I think sometimes we all really need that in our lives and yeah Mm -hmm. with the pandemic it's you know it's been tough times (laughs) yeah absolutely and I do feel like sometimes uh, genres that lean more towards like a a fluffy feeling kind of get looked down upon in the literary Mm -hmm. community but they're so necessary and they really help people um, through like difficult times they help us uh, maintain mental health Um, Mm -hmm. so it's very important I think to have lightness and fun in literature as well as like books that tackle the more serious issues. Absolutely. Uh, That's actually a bit of a pet peeve of mine that people do look down on books that explore some of the happier sides of life. And Mm -hmm. it's not as though I I don't, maybe I'm wrong because I haven't written anything really dark, but it isn't, it's not as though it's really easy to create those cozy, happy feelings. It still requires work. You have to Mm -hmm. put thought into it. And I don't know why it is that, you know, so much more value is placed on really dark topics when you know the world you are absolutely right the world needs that side of life too yeah exactly it's like the it's important to have conversations about those serious things but Mm -hmm. it's also equally important that we place value on things that are happy and positive um, Mm -hmm. as well so it's it's definitely an interesting thing that happens in the in the literary world uh yes it is (laughs) Yeah. There are just so many fun, magical cozies out there. Why do you think magic works so well in the cozy mystery genre? You know, I I have put some thought into this, and I I think there's a couple of reasons. Um, One was something you just mentioned, the idea that cozies promise justice. And I think 
with that magic works really well because there is this idea that if there are outside forces or higher powers surrounding us that are somehow helping us um, get to a place of justice to make sure that goodness prevails. It's a very comforting idea that we aren't alone in the universe and that there are helping hands along the way. Um, so I think that's part of it. But I also think the idea itself of magic is very cozy. Um, that feeling of magic is very cozy. Like I was recently, my daughter and I, since the pandemic started, and at first when everything was in lockdown, we would go on lots of walks together. And there was one evening, once the time had changed and it, it was, it got dark quite early and we were walking just through our neighborhood and it was the first snow fall and it was just such a magical feeling and you could say well that's not really magic it's nature it's science but the feeling of it is magical mm -hmm. and you know I tried to bring that in my books where a lot of the spells that my witches do oftentimes are rooted in things like um, a special recipe because there's something magical when someone makes you a meal. <laughs> yeah. And you get to sit down and experience that. Um, or, or nature. That's another thing. I have a garden witch. And there is that feeling of magic whenever, you know, you're in a garden and you see a really beautiful flower and you get that sense of awe, like, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the world is just a miraculous place. And I think cozy mysteries are a really great place to explore those cozy, magical feeling. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, you know, I really think cozies do have that whimsical vibe. And then they do also require readers to maintain like a suspension of disbelief since they have to buy into the idea that an amateur sleuth could solve yes. a murder mystery. <laughs> yeah. So no, the, the magic right. and the cozies just go hand in hand. You're right. There is that. Um, I once read an article. It was it was on a author's blog site, and I found it a little ridiculous because someone was trying to make the argument that cozy mysteries are, you know, kind of bad for society because they minimize murder. And I thought it's you're missing the point entirely of cozies, mm -hmm. which is to d suspend disbelief, to believe in, you know, to present readers with a gentle puzzle to solve in a, a safe environment. And, mm -hmm. you know, readers aren't reading it thinking that this is real life. They're thinking it as, of it, I think, as an escape from what is real life. And, right. you know, uh, yeah, I agree. And it it kind of presents serious life issues in a way that makes you feel empowered to be able to handle them, like both mentally and like that you would be capable of handling the situation um, if it came about in the future. And I actually studied 
in college, I had a class about the psychology of literature. And it talked about how books do give us like a safe way to experience darker issues that we'll probably encounter at some point in life or, you know, in the case of a mystery, hopefully we'll never encounter (laughs) in real life. But it gives us the ability to kind of like mentally prepare ourselves for that, which is, you know, very much something that's ingrained in us um, just as a species. It's a very natural instinct and books give us a safe way to participate in that. I think, yeah, absolutely. If you look at fairy tales for children, you know, how they started out, it was mm-hmm. some of the original ones are pretty scary. Yeah. But it, it was a way for children to sort of, they already have fears, but seeing them played out in a story, seeing ways to cope with challenges, um, I think it does give you a, a sense of empowerment of, okay, I could see what I would do in this situation. Or, and sometimes you might judge what a character does and think to yourself, oh, I'd never do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it all, it is part of that. Yeah, it's a safe way to test yourself. I love that. Uh-huh. That's a good yeah. way to think of it. Exactly. So having to incorporate a magic system into a novel does seem like a lot of work, especially when you have a murder mystery that you have to thread throughout an entire novel. So how did you go about developing your magic system? So it it was a challenge in the sense of sometimes I did feel like I was trying to write two books and I wanted and I didn't want it to feel that way to the reader. So I wanted to have my magical world and I had and I needed that murder mystery in there. So I was, you know, struggling to find the balance to marriage the two together. But, you know, when I was thinking about um, the magical system, I, I, when I, I, the earliest game I played as a child was I pretended to be a witch. Mm-hmm. We, we had a, I was, when I was born, we lived uh, in a small house that bordered onto a forest that seemed to me to be very much like the Grimm's fairy tales I was reading. Yeah. So I was, yeah, I was always playing in the creek back there putting together spells. So in some ways, I felt like I've been training for this my whole life. (laughs) Oh, wow. I love that. (laughs) And it's funny, too, because I had a neighbor not too far away, my only playmate at the time. uh, And he was a boy and he was always playing, pretending to be a pirate. So we had lots of genre clashes because I wanted to play witch. He wanted to play a pirate. <laughs> <But> <laughs> we would make it work somehow. And uh, but yeah, since that time, I mean, I knew when I was writing this cozy and putting together the magical system for me, it was I I knew I wanted to have those old school witches. I wanted something along the lines of a project, practical magic or hocus pocus. Um So I felt like I did have a lot of sources to draw from, Um, but it did take a while to make sure that the magic wasn't overpowering the mystery and vice versa. And my editor did warn me too, right at the beginning, she said, you know, use as much magic as you want, just don't use the magic to solve the mystery. Oh, wow. yeah, Yeah. Because that would be cheating. Because, you know, the reader, I think, has to feel like 
they could solve the mystery themselves. So if my characters use magic to solve the mystery, that takes that away from them. So that was the one rule she set out for me at the beginning. Just don't, the magic can't solve the mystery. That's fascinating. And um, one of the things I really loved about your magic system is that you did, like, as you were reading, you could tell that you had very strict rules about what each of the witches' magics could and could not do. And Mm -hmm. so um, it definitely, like, increases the stakes, right? Because you know that the characters can't just, you know, snap their fingers and solve everything by magic. And that they're going to have challenges along the way. So that makes sense. And I, I love that advice from your editor. Yeah, it's it was really good that she said that to me early on because I submitted this book on proposals. So when I first sold it, I had only written the first three chapters and mm-hmm. I had and a synopsis. And it was really great because my editor read it and she kind of gave me that guidance. And it makes a lot of sense because you can't have witches with, say, absolute power because then there's no stakes. They can mm-hmm. just, you know, they could just snap their fingers and the murderer would reveal uh, themselves. So there had to be some rules that way. And that's also where I kind of came up with the idea that witches can't just do whatever they want without consequences. If they go too far, there's karma in the in the universe and it will get them. <laughs> so, right. This yeah, idea and it, that none of us, yeah, are just free to do whatever we please. Absolutely. And then it also, like, it really added some, uh, like, comedic moments into the story <laughs> as well. Like, both the limitations of their power, but also um, when Bryn's power was kind of, like, malfunctioning. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I did have fun with that because, you know, I think we all have those moments where where we can be really emotional in a situation and we just react. And then once we do take that action, we're like, "Uh oh, (laughs) maybe I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's a a little bit too relatable. (laughs) (laughs) So we've all been there. Yeah, (laughs) it's probably good. I don't have magical powers. Come (laughs) to think of it. (laughs) I know. Same. huh? So what are some magical cozies that you would recommend to readers? Um, There's so many out there, great ones to choose from. I would say the ones that kind of got me started would be Ellery Adams' uh, Charm Pie Shop Mystery Series. Yes. Um, That was one of the, it was one of the first magical cozies that I read. And I just love that idea that you could create in food an emotional reaction in the people who ate it. Because, you know, like, I think there's some foods now that say, for example, remind me of my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like pot roast, that's one. I can't eat any kind of pot roast without thinking about Sunday dinners with my grandma. And, you know, foods have that kind of power where they can bring comfort or, you know, they could they can just stir up emotions and memories. So I really like that. Um, another one would be Annette Blair's Vintage Magic Mystery Series. That one, um, 
I don't I don't know if I'm alone in this, but I love touching old clothes. I love touching antiques mm-hmm. because I do feel like, you know, one of these days I'm going to have a vision of something that happened <laughs> in the past. You never know. <laughs> you know, I just my husband and I, we got married in Mexico. And as part of that, you know, we went touring some of the ruins and there's, you know, sculptures and things you can touch from 5,000 years ago. And it would just would always blew, like blow my mind that I could touch this something that someone had carved 5,000 years ago. Yeah. And it, it feels like, you know, that there is a connection there that mm-hmm. time becomes shorter. So I really like the idea of, say, touching an old wedding gown and being able to solve a mystery yes. <laughs> based on that. I so, love that. Yeah, I, I, I kind of wish I could write that series, but it's not mine. So <laughs> can't do that. And then maybe fan fiction. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, there's uh, there's so many others like Julia Blackwell and Heather Blake. And I love the village in Heather Blake's books. Um, and then, you know, what I really want to read, but I haven't gotten around to yet uh, is Mrs. The Mrs. Morris uh, series by Tracy Wilt- uh, Wilton, I think. Oh, yeah. And I just I really like that because I think from what I've read, it's got a B&B, but it also has um a ghost doctor in the B&B that's maybe kind of her boyfriend and I thought oh that's fun how cute (laughs) I thought I'd like a ghost doctor boyfriend (laughs) I mean I'm married but (laughs) book boyfriend book boyfriend book boyfriend yeah you gotta have the book boyfriends yeah yeah those are such great recommendations um and then one I would add that I've really enjoyed um, is the Enchanted Bay Mysteries by Esme Addison. Oh, and, yes. Yeah, those are great. They're about um, water witches that are descended from mermaids, and they're right. just fabulous. I, I've seen, I haven't read it yet. I have seen the cover of the book so many times mm-hmm. that I thought to myself, I need to read that because, I mean, I love mermaids too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I highly uh, recommend it. You would definitely love it. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, Yeah. I have to check that out. So yeah, for sure. So um, I was really impressed by the quality of the writing in In the Company of Witches. Um, From the the whimsical vibe you've infused the dialogue with to the prose itself, it's just very well written. Um, And I wanted to share a quote from the book that I really loved, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Magic, enchantments and conjurations, spells and incantations, divinations and charms, all the hocus-pocus old wives used to speak of in hushed tones by the fire. My aunts could do all of those things. They could do them because they were witches. I was too, or at least I used to be. And I just loved that passage from the book. I think it set the tone so well and was just like a really great hook for the novel. Um, and I was wondering if you could share your favorite piece of writing advice that you've ever received with our listeners who may also be aspiring authors. Uh, absolutely. And first, let me say thank you so much for that, because I worked very hard on that. Oh, I love um, it. I must have written that passage. 
a hundred times in different ways and different combinations. Um, and that made me think of that. There's that famous quote that talks about um, writing being 10% inspiration, 90% perspiration. Uh-huh. And I would have to say it may not be my favorite bit of writing advice, but I think it's the most true. Um writing is hard at least it is for me I mean <laughs> there may be writers <laughs> out there that it's super easy for and I don't like them <laughs> but... I haven't met any of them yet so. <laughs> yeah I don't think they exist they're unicorns <laughs> it is it's it's hard and it takes so much work I when I write um a first draft a lot of it is just bullet points, half-formed sentences. Um, yeah, it's it's a point-form skeleton. And I then spend maybe three, four times as long layering it, trying to fill it out, um, reading it out loud, uh, putting it aside for a bit, then looking at it again. And, you know, I don't know that I've ever gotten anything to a place of perfection in my mind. I could always mm -hmm. tweak it a bit more. But I do think, you know, if you put in the hard work, it does get better and better. I think where people, you know, especially when you're first starting out, if you think, well, I should be able to write really well right off the bat, it just doesn't work that way. Right. It's, people are way too hard on themselves, especially at the beginning. Nothing like first drafts are usually always terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that would that's definitely be gentle with yourself. <laughs> that would be my advice. That's great advice. Um, and I, uh, I spent years and years like trying to draft a novel and I would get like a chapter in and be so frustrated because it wasn't mm. what I wanted and just quit. And then I finally went to an event that um, Neil Gaiman uh, did here in Salt Lake oh, City. wow. Yeah. And he was like, if you are the type of person that keeps deleting everything you write, get out a notebook just handwrite all of it. Don't reread any of it. Just keep going. Don't let your hand stop moving until you get to the end and intentionally mm. write badly, write badly on purpose. And that's the way to finish your first book. And I thought that was just the best advice. That is so true. I mean, it's easier said than done because you've always got that editor in your mm -hmm. head saying, I'm not sure I like this. And, or are you sure you know what you're doing? So, you know, you could always second guess, but if you can just get it down, you can always make it better. That's one thing I tell myself when I'm feeling nervous about getting started is mm -hmm. I remind myself I can always make it better later. <laughs> yeah. So the names and the characters in your book are just so much fun. Um, from Aunts Izzy and Evanora to Uncle Gideon to Dog the Crow. <laughs> I just felt like the names really added to the magical tone of the novel. So how did you come up with those? 
Um, and that did take some time. I have to say, uh, my friend, uh, I have a close friend at the time, and she's very particular about names. Many times I have come, you know, and it's funny because sometimes people do have very emotional reactions to names. Mm -hmm. um, for when I was pregnant with my third child, I thought maybe it was going to be a girl. And I flirted with the idea of naming her Ruby. And I can't tell you how many people got angry with me. Really? <laughs> you know, and I, I love the name. But so people do have very strong reactions to name so uh -huh. I did spend a lot of time on this one where I wanted my one aunt to be a little tough so she got the Nora name and Izzy sounded kind of cute to me so she was going to be my warm and fuzzy aunt mm -hmm. um, Doc the Crow just came to me because <laughs> I knew I wanted a crow. I I really like crows. I, I feed crows outside of my house peanuts um, almost daily because if I go for a walk, they follow me now. Oh, and, I bet. Which is just so much fun. They're just so cool. Uh -huh. <laughs> but... And I thought in this, well, it's my crow isn't exactly going to be a pet, but he's kind of a pet companion. And I, I think dog just came to me. But yes, I do spend time on names just because I do think they're important um, to try to get right. But it, even so, you're, you're never going to make everybody happy. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, but I, I loved the names in this. I thought you did oh, such great. a great job. And oh, Dog was you. such a fun character. <laughs> I just loved him so much. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of characters, your main character, Bryn Warren, is very witty. Her internal do dialogue just had me cracking up multiple times as I was reading, as did some of the other comedic moments that you sprinkled throughout the novel. So how did you balance that humor with the more serious murder investigation elements? Yeah, it, it is it is kind of a tricky balance because, um, you know, I did want some more serious emotional moments in the book. Um, what I was more afraid of um, was actually not too many comedic moments. Moments, I didn't want the book to be too sad because, mm -hmm. yeah, my main character is still grieving the loss of her husband. And, you know, this is it is a cozy mystery. Um, I didn't want it to become, you know, overwhelmingly about grief. It's not that type of book. So the humor was really important to me to kind of bring up those moments when it was getting too heavy. Um, and I do think that's kind of a reflection of life because even in your darkest times, life still is going on around you. Humans are still doing funny things and getting into trouble. And, you know, the, the world always does go on if, if you look for it. And so I, I was really cognizant of, you know, not having too many serious bits in a row without some sort of comic relief. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. That, so my favorite saying um, is life isn't all sunshine and rainbows, but most of it actually is. And oh. I love that. I always think about that whenever I'm like going through something that's a little bit harder because it's true. Like we spend 
so much time like worrying about the bad things that happen when really like most of life is sunshine and rainbows and then just some of it Mm. is not that just gave me chills yeah (laughs) isn't that great I found it on Pinterest I can take no credit for it but I absolutely (laughs) love it no I really do love that too because you know I I think it is very true because a lot of the time you know especially if you watch the news these days and you can be so focused on all the threats coming at us but you know Mm -hmm. then I look out my window and the sun is shining and there's a little bit of snow and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, I I think, yeah, depending on where you direct your attention, there's always something there. I really like that. That's a wonderful saying. Yeah. And I do just feel like your book kind of fit that same vibe. So I really appreciated that. That's that's wonderful. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, now maybe the most important question of the day is if you could have any type of magical ability yourself, what would you choose? (laughs) Oh, this is so hard. (laughs) There's so many of that I would want to try, but I love, I I wish I could make potions, spell casting. Like I would love a cauldron. I, when I was, again, when I was little, I just love the idea. And I think I got this from my grandmother. I just remembered this. So my grandmother was, a tiny bit of a hoarder, maybe Uh a bit of a collector. (laughs) And she had this collection of glass colored bottles. And yeah, they were really um, more doctor sort of old fashioned medicine bottles, but they were in all different shapes and sizes. And they all had cork tops. And, you know, if she would have let me at them, I would have just (laughs) filled them up with all sorts (laughs) of stuff and like stirred them up in a pot to make some sort of spell I just really like the idea of yeah spell casting and cooking up potions I think that that I and I'm not even sure what kind of spells I would cook up but I just love the idea of being in front of a cauldron (laughs) yeah there's something like almost romantic about potion making so I love that answer What about you? Do you know what you choose? (laughs) I do. And I say this a lot. Um, If I could choose any magical ability, I would definitely want to have the ability to remember every word I've ever read. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, because I read so many books. But, you, you know, like you start in January. And then by this time of year, I've read like 175 books. So it's hard to remember the details at the beginning of the year. And I just, I wish I could, I would love to remember everything about the books that I read. Oh, that's wonderful. Isn't it funny though, have you ever had that experience where you pick up a book and you start reading it and all of a sudden you think, I've read this before. I had done that before. (laughs) And sometimes, though, it could be, you know, years prior and still like at some part in your memory has held on to those words Mm -hmm. and you get that feeling of, I know I have. Uh (laughs) Oh, it's amazing. So so maybe they're there. (laughs) Yeah. I would love that ability maybe one day (laughs) fingers crossed if I get some magic (laughs) Uh, I'm hoping I'm holding out hope for you (laughs) thank you so another thing I really enjoyed in your novel um, were Gideon's haikus they were just really lovely Um, and my favorite one 
uh, read, Long year winding down, colors blaze then turn to ashes, wood piles awaken. This is just so beautiful. And it, it gave me like all the cozy fall vibes mm-hmm. that I love <laughs> all year round, but especially this time of year. Yes. So do you enjoy writing haikus yourself or is that something that you added to the novel just for Gideon's character? Okay. So full confession here. My dad writes the haikus. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yes. And he is going to be so thrilled when I tell him that you asked about the haikus because um, he's turning 80 this year Uh and he is still as sharp as ever for the next book too. I asked him to write me some haikus and all I told him was basically, I need them to be about spring candy and murder (laughs) and go. (laughs) And and he comes up with, he'll write me 20, 30 of these haikus for me to choose from. But I just find it an amazing talent because um, I, it would be easier for me to write an entire novel than it would be for me to write a single haiku. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My mind just doesn't work in that poetic way, but I'm so glad his does. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, so like I based a little bit of Gideon's character on my dad too, because my dad is just kind of a, He's a he's a cozy, cuddly kind of guy, and he mm-hmm. loves taking nature photos and writing haikus. So, oh <laughs> and, my goodness! And I get to steal them. <laughs> I just adore that. I mean, that's so lovely. And how special for you to also be able to have your dad's words in your novel. That is so neat. It's wonderful. Honestly, that was one of the things I was most thrilled about because I gave him the novel and I told him with the first one that I'd use some of his haikus, but I think maybe he had forgotten or maybe thought they would be edited out. And I think it was a real, uh, like a real thrill for him when he saw them there. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, yeah, it is. It's a special thing. I was really happy that I could work them in and that no one wanted to cut them. So, (laughs) oh, yeah. No, no, they have to keep those. And I'm definitely going to be looking forward to reading more of those in the upcoming novels. (laughs) That's great. I can't wait. I'm going to call my dad after this. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Tell him I'm a big fan. (laughs) I will do that. Absolutely. (laughs) Perfect. So I do definitely recommend your series to anyone who's a fan of the Sabrina series on Netflix. So are you a fan of Sabrina as well? I am. I would say both the new series and the old Disney one, even uh-huh. though they're very different. <laughs> yeah. Um, my my daughters actually got me into the new Sabrina um, because my 15-year-old was watching Riverdale and then Sabrina came on. So we were watching that together. And I, I got to say they did a wonderful sort of reimagining what I really like about it is the look of it mm-hmm. it is so cool <laughs> it's yeah. just moody and atmospheric and yeah no I absolutely I I like both <laughs> yeah I totally agree it is very atmospheric and it's got a very similar vibe to uh your book and so I just like am constantly recommending this to my friends who I know 
also love Sabrina because it's just it's the perfect series to read if you are a fan of that or like you said like the original like Melissa Joan Hart series as well yeah there's absolutely you know and I found this too with you know you've got practical magic and hocus pocus there is something about uh which is in having a, a bevy of ants <laughs> to yes. fill out your coven. <laughs> that, uh-huh. I really like that trope, I guess, for lack of a better term, that um, of of young witch of a young witch being supported by aunties. <laughs> yeah, just I like really those that. female strong female family dynamics. I love that, especially in a witch novel. Yeah, and it actually reminds me of something else my dad would always say about my mom's great aunts. I remember he just said this once in passing, but he said, oh, I always used to love going to dinners when they were all there. And he said, they were all redheads and wild and I was in love with every one of them <laughs> I love that <laughs> and I thought oh, yeah that sounds cool yeah <laughs> so, oh that's lovely oh gosh <laughs> so another element that I really enjoyed and in the company of the witches were the dynamics of the neighborhood it's all very well developed um you've got Williams the cool neighbor lady next door who's always in a little bit of a tiff without Nora <laughs> <laughs> And then you've got Mr. Henderson. He's the nosy, overly curious neighbor. And then there's Roxy, the town gossip, Um, and just so many other great characters. So how fun was it for you to develop all of those side characters? It was so fun. I love eccentric side characters. In fact, I think sometimes I could go too far into creating eccentric side characters. But I think really it comes from I grew up in a small town. I then for a couple of years, my husband and I lived in Toronto, right downtown, and it just, it did not suit me. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's some things that are exciting about living in a big city, um, but I love small towns. We moved back um, when my husband's job changed. We moved to Ottawa and we found a little town outside of Ottawa and we moved, um, which we're still living in. And I just, I love fall fairs. I love mm-hmm. farmers markets. I love the town gazebo that right last weekend they were putting up the Christmas lights. Um, and I love that sense of, community um Mm -hmm. i i really like you know if my kids are going to school if my kids get up to shenanigans somebody's gonna tell me (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) you know and and the more you get to know people there's always a few interesting personality dynamics out there when i was i remember when i was small my grandmother's neighbor he was quite eccentric but his basement wasn't fully finished and we found out he actually had a a little river like a spring that had popped up in his basement and he left it and a family of raccoons had moved in and yeah I know and he was but he kind of made them pets and you know you have no idea what your neighbors might be getting up to yeah that's true (laughs) so I really do I like that I like that small town feel and Mm -hmm. in this book I really wanted to create it to create a kind of Gilmore Girls vibe mm-hmm. um, where it, there is that cozy, you know, feeling of having 
markets and fairs and twinkly lights at night. I just, that, that aesthetic really, it gets to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, me too. I love that quaint small town feeling. That's one of my favorite things. And then I do just love those like casts of characters. Um, and it's always fun to read the first book in a series and see uh, which side characters that the author's kind of mentioning because it gets me really excited to start reading the next books and see how those are more developed and kind of where we go mm. from there so I am just so excited for your next book oh that's great that that is wonderful to hear so you do also write the Otter Lake Mysteries and I was wondering if you could tell us what that series is about as well Sure. Um, I Let me start by saying I feel like the Otter Lake mystery should come with a bit of a warning. <laughs> it's um, along with being a cozy mystery, it is kind of I would call it a buddy comedy. Um, my main character, it, it takes place in once again, a small town in New Hampshire, uh, but it's on a lake. So it's a very sort of camp type feel mm -hmm. and my amateur detective in that case uh her mother runs uh, a sort of nature wellness retreat on an island and she's always been a kind of misfit in town and her and erica and her best friend freddie um, who's also kind of a misfit in town, they get up to all sorts of shenanigans uh, solving murders. I wrote it for people who kind of like who like a lot of comedy and their cozy mysteries. I put it mm -hmm. in kind of a Janet Ivanovich sort of strain, like a, a Stephanie Plum kind of humor. And so, yeah, if you're if you're up to rolling with it, I think it's a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, those sound delightful. I definitely am going to have to bump those up on my TBR. That sounds like exactly the kind of book I want to read right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you enjoy them. But yes, they do. They can rattle. Uh, it's not as delicate as some cozy mysteries i'll uh -huh. say that it's a little wilder they get up to shenanigans there are many shenanigans <laughs> oh so. that sounds so fun i can't wait oh great <laughs> all right well before we wrap up let's do a quick round of lightning questions so readers can get to know you or lee wallace a little bit better okay okay so coffee or tea so this, I can't choose. I drink both <laughs> in huge amounts. I would say coffee in the mornings, tea in the afternoon. <laughs> That's a great answer. And the book you're reading right now. So I just got this from the library. Uh, it's uh, the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. Um, oh, I've read that. Have you? Mm -hmm. I've seen it on so many people's Instagram pages. <laughs> so I had to get it myself, but I'm not yeah. sure what to expect. It gets pretty scary. <laughs> really? Yeah, it okay. gets pretty scary. <laughs> all right. Okay. So I wasn't sure what to expect. So, yeah. All right. That's, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a horror novel. <laughs> okay. Okay. I will prepare myself for that. Yeah. And what is one of your favorite movies of all time? Oh, this is so hard. I I have so many movies that I love. I couldn't just pick one. 
But, um, you know, I was thinking about this a little and what that did stand out for me that I need to rewatch because I want to know if it gives me the same feeling was a, a scent of a woman because I watched that years ago and I just remember it making me really happy. Oh, okay. So it had a very sort of uplifting ending, but I can barely remember anything about it. So I've got to rewatch it and see if I like it as much. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to add that to my watch list as well. Yeah, I remember it was really big at the time. It may have been nominated for an Oscar, but oh, wow. uh, it's Al Pacino, Matt Damon. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to watch it again and see if it still gives me the feels. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And what is your favorite season? Fall. Absolutely. Mine too. It's just the coziest of seasons. Absolutely. I mean, I, I love, I, there are wonderful things about every season, but fall, when you have that sunshine, but it's still kind of sweater weather. Just mm -hmm. love it. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And your favorite genre to read? I, I would say mysteries of all types. Yes. It's from the cozy to the dark. I, I just can't get to the really dark. I think, you know, some authors like maybe Karen Slaughter are mm -hmm. too dark for me. Um, but everything just under that, I love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. And your favorite food? Oh, this one's also so hard. I love all food. Um, <laughs> I would say top three sushi, salt and vinegar chips, and chocolate. Those would probably be my husband's top three. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, he's got good taste. <laughs> yep, exactly. And the author you'd most like to meet? This one's also so tough. But, you know, I would probably even though it's kind of lame and obvious I would probably choose Stephen King oh yeah um and I think because his canon of work will probably last you know maybe even centuries mm -hmm. um and you know that's rare <laughs> yeah I agree. And I have to brag just a little bit because Stephen King, uh, our local independent bookstore, the King's English actually did bring Stephen King to town no. and we got to meet him. And it, he was amazing. Like listening to him speak is probably one of the most amazing experiences of my life. He oh. was such a neat guy. Yeah, that is so cool. I just I think, yeah, when there's he's created a body of work that does seem like it will be legendary. I just mm -hmm. like to meet the creator of that, you know, have a little bit of that rub off of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And he's just like you kind of. I don't know, you imagine going into meeting Stephen King like a scary yeah. <laughs> guy, but he's more like a kind of like an 80s rock star kind of a kind of a vibe, which <laughs> makes really? a lot of sense. And I then guess, he talks. Yeah. yeah, he talks about like his personas, uh, like, you know, how he's Stephen with his family. And then there's like Stephen King with the public, which is kind of that rock star persona. And then there's mm -hmm. scary Steve and he's the one that's at home <laughs> writing the novels. And I just love that. Oh, that's so neat. That's an yeah. amazing experience. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And the location you'd most like to visit. Uh, there's so many places I'd like to visit. I feel like I keep saying this, but um, honestly, I, there was 
I remember seeing Terry Hatcher on TV once. Um, she was uh, Lois Lane in the old uh-huh. Superman series and Desperate House. Was it Desperate House? Yeah. Something like yes. that. Um, and I remember her talking about going on a safari in Africa with her daughter. Wow. And she was talking about when the sun was setting a, a golden hour. And she said that she had never experienced anything like the quality of sunlight of the golden sunlight that was falling across the plains that it was just an awe-inspiring moment for her and I thought wow I'd like I'd like to experience that (laughs) oh absolutely I mean that sounds just magical in and of itself yeah so I I, I'd like to check that that's on my bucket list (laughs) yeah well I think I'm gonna have to add it to mine now too that sounds incredible (laughs) well like we mentioned earlier or Lee's next book in the Evenfall Witches B&B series, When the Crow's Away, is coming out on April 5th. Um, so to wrap things up, Orly, do you want to tell us what you're working on now and where our listeners can connect with you online? Sure. Um, well, actually, what I'm working on now is uh, a bit of a secret, only because I'm not sure if it's going to go anywhere sure, <laughs> or if I'm going to fail at it completely because I it's a bit of a departure for me. I've talked to my agent about it and she's all gung-ho. Um, so I'm not going to talk about that until I'm sure I can do it. <laughs> but That totally makes sense. <laughs> Um, as for the, I'm still obviously spending a lot of time on, uh, the even fall witches and readers, I would say the best place to connect with me is probably Instagram. Um, and it's just, uh, at Orly Wallace. That's the nice thing about having a unique name is mm-hmm. I got, I get, I get all the handles to myself. So yeah. I, I am on Twitter and Facebook too. So yeah. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Orly. It's been such a pleasure getting to chat with you. And I am so, so excited for the next book in the Evenfall Witches series. And I just love to have you on again when the Crows Away comes out. That sounds wonderful. And thank you again for uh, inviting me. And it's it's been a wonderful experience. Oh, I'm so glad. And we will definitely plan on that. And um, so thank Thanks so much again. And listeners, stay tuned. I'll be right back with some more magical, cozy mystery recommendations for you. At Get Cozy Podcast, we're going to be ending each episode with recommendations for some upcoming cozy mystery releases that you simply can't miss. So without further ado, here are a couple of cozies to add to your to-read list. So since we're talking about magical cozy mysteries this week, I do have a couple of my favorite magical cozy mysteries that I did want to recommend to all of you. Um, The first one is A Skeleton in the Family by Lee Perry. The series is finished, um, so you can go ahead and binge read it now. But the blurb for the first book says, most families have skeletons in their closets. Moving back into her parents' home with her teenage daughter had not been Georgia Thackeray's plan A, but when she got a job at the local college, it seemed the sensible thing to do. So she settled in and began reconnecting with old friends, including Sid. Sid is the Thackeray family's skeleton. He's lived in the house as long as Georgia can remember, 
although no one, including Sid, knows exactly where he came from and how he came to be a skeleton. Sid walks, he talks, he makes bad jokes, he tries to keep Georgia's dog from considering him a snack, and he manages to persuade Georgia to let him leave the house. But when she takes him to an anime convention, disguised as a skeleton, of course, he sees a woman who triggers memories of his past. Now he's determined to find out how he died, with Georgia's help, but their investigation may uncover a killer who's still alive and well and bad to the bone. And the second book I wanted to recommend this week is called A Fatal Glow. It's by Valerie Wilson-Wesley. It's from Kensington Books, and it does come out in March of 2022. So, from the award-winning creator of New York-based Private Eye, Tamara Hale, comes the second installment in a new spell-binding cozy mystery series featuring a multicultural cast. It stars Odessa Jones, a recently widowed amateur sleuth with a brand new catering business, a full-time real estate gig, and the gift of second sight. When Odessa's catering gig turns deadly, it's up to her to find the culprit and clear her name. That's all for this week's episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at getcozypodcast to see which authors we'll be hosting in our upcoming episodes. Also follow me at Cozy Christie. That's Cozy, K-R-Y-S-T-I, to see which cozies I'm reading and recommending. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, happy reading and stay cozy. Cozy.